Christmas is a time to make children's wishes come true. Whether it's ensuring they find that must-have gift under the tree, delivering a Christmas dinner with all the trimmings, or taking them to Saturn. Yeah, that's right, Saturn. Several local organizations specialize in making the holiday season special for kids in need. One of those groups is Make-A-Wish Georgia, and the leader of the Savannah area chapter, Megan Lowe, is our latest difference maker. team at savannahnow.com. This is Difference Makers, a podcast featuring interviews with Savannah's community leaders about what they do, how they do it, and why. I'm Adam Van Bremer, and joining me for this episode is Megan Lowe, Southeast Development Director for Make-A-Wish Georgia. Many of us are familiar with Make-A-Wish and how they grant the wishes of critically ill children, the stories of which will make you laugh, cry, and think better of your fellow man. Megan certainly does exactly that in this interview. Here we go. Today's Difference Maker is Megan Lowe, who is the Development Director for Make-A-Wish Georgia for the southeastern area, which is centered in Savannah, but uh, Megan and I were talking before I hit the button. It extends out a little bit. You, you, go, where, you go where you're needed, and um, as we're in the Christmas season, it's, it's very important to talk a lot about organizations that help people, and of course, Make-A-Wish, their focus is on critically ill children, so uh, that's important all the time, but in the holidays, it really kind of tugs at your heartstrings all the more. And uh, Megan, we're going to talk a lot about what you do and how you do it and, and what's happening and how to adjust the pandemic and everything else. But we always start with a bio. And full disclosure here, folks, uh, Megan and I have known each other for several years. We play basketball together. She she schools me. She takes me to the hoop. I have to knock her around here and there. Nope. Well, I probably just got in trouble, but... It happens. And uh, believe me, she gives as good as she takes. So with that in mind, Megan, we just said you're a basketball star. We know you work for Make-A-Wish. What else do we need to know about you? You grew up right here in the Savannah area, right? I did. My father was in the Army, and we were stationed here when I was uh, little. And um, when he transferred, we decided to stay as my older brother and I were both in middle school and so we stayed in savannah and then he eventually retired and we ended up finishing high school in savannah and then we just stayed now you grew up out on out on the islands uh what was life like out there and, and what what did you most enjoy about about growing up around here i grew up on wilmington island still live on wilmington island attended st andrews and then attended duquesne university in pittsburgh pennsylvania and that's where I graduated with a degree in public relations and advertising. And then I went on to get my master's in nonprofit management. Growing up on Women's Island, surrounded by water, small community, everybody knows everybody. Was there anything in particular you, you really uh, think influenced you coming up uh, where you did or maybe something you're like, oh, man, that that influenced me in a bad way? I think that. The big influence on growing up on Wilmington Island is the fact that you can go to Kroger and you can see somebody that you may not have seen in five years and yeah. they will recognize you and they will 
want to have a conversation with you and it's almost like you have all these relationships with people that you don't necessarily see every day but then when you do go to the Kroger's or the Ace Hardware's you run into people and you just reignite that relationship uh, and it happens all the time and especially with um, working for Make-A-Wish or any nonprofit, it's just really good to be able to share the mission of the organization with anyone who's willing to listen. So I mentioned that you played basketball when you were when you were a kid. Was it was it a lot of sports? Was it a lot of arts? Was it a lot of music? What what kind of influenced you and helped shape you there? It was a lot of it was a lot of sports. Like I said, I had an older brother and he was very athletic, and so I think I saw him playing soccer and basketball and um, wanted to do everything that he did when I was young. So got into sports. Um, but we also grew up in an, a household that encouraged giving back. I remember when my dad was stationed overseas, instead of having Thanksgiving dinner, my mom took us to the Salvation Army and we served the homeless Thanksgiving dinner. And when we would receive money for Christmas from our grandparents, we would always go to Toys R Us and spend half to buy toys for Toys for Tots. So mm. there was the sports, but there was also the giving back in the community. It was a huge part of my upbringing and I kind of think it helped shape where I am today. Yeah, I would imagine so because I, I know that, uh, you know, you, you now are working for an organization that's, that's what you do. You give back. And, um, we were talking before I hit record about kind of the, the, the arc of your career. You've been in fundraising for a lot of different organizations, and, but it was always geared toward trying to get somewhere where you could help give back. You mentioned that your parents instilled that in you, but when you were doing that, whether it was with the Salvation Army or through your church or uh, through your community, through your community, what kind of what kind of motivated you? How did that touch you? Uh, obviously, it wasn't something that you just kind of you kind of shrugged off or did because you had to, right? Sure, I really with the upbringing of there's a cause greater than ourselves, right? There's mm -hmm. There is something out there larger than ourselves, and uh, with with that upbringing, I attend. When I attended college, I interned for the Pittsburgh Penguins hockey team in their community relations department. And and every month, we partnered with a different nonprofit to and uh, worked with the players in the nonprofit on a numerous different projects throughout the month and I got to see a lot of different nonprofits that I was not open to and the different missions of helping people and it really was at that internship that it sparked the career path that there is actually a whole business of nonprofits who and the employees that work for them to deliver these missions. And it was really that internship that sparked my interest on making it an entire career. Right. Well, where were you before that? Was it was a whole, uh, you're interning with the Penguins. So I'm thinking maybe you're thinking you're going to go into marketing and public relations with, 
with sports or with some kind of organization like that? I mean, is that kind of where you were or where you thought you were going? And then this kind of said, Hey, you can, you can go a different direction. I wasn't really sure. I loved uh, writing and kind of going, kind of thinking of the journalism path. Um, and I wrote, but I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do with, <laughs> as you laugh, I, I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do with my degree. I didn't have I didn't have this dream set in college and it was, it's actually kind of a, kind of a scary um, concept when you don't have your dream job, like my father in the army, my mother being a nurse. So for that, it was a little scary not to have this dream job, but I kind of did know I always wanted to go into public relations, journalism, marketing, and then this internship really changed my thought process on this is what I want to do in my career, and that's work for a nonprofit organization. Do you still root for the Penguins? Do you still follow hockey? I I do. I not as much. I think with COVID, it, it sports are a little different with COVID. So, but I just read yesterday that they're starting in January. So maybe I'll have to get my Penguins jersey back on in January. Yeah, you'll have to refresh your memory. And um, <laughs> as we mentioned sports, I also have to say that, that Megan is a Michigan fan and I am an Ohio State fan. So we razz each other a lot. And the fact that Michigan bailed on their football game against Ohio State mm-hmm. this weekend, so they don't have to lose the Buckeyes again. But again, that's uh, not um, okay, Adam. Not okay. <laughs> <laughs> listening to the Difference Makers podcast and a discussion with Make-A-Wish George's Megan Lowe. Before we continue, let's pause and recognize the Difference Makers presenting sponsor and a real difference maker in our community, the Savannah Economic Development Authority. The team at CETA is pushing to make Savannah a great place to work and live. CETA is committed to creating, growing, and attracting jobs and investment in the Savannah region. Whether a business looking to relocate to the Savannah area or an existing business ready to grow and expand, CETA is the centrifuge of a propeller making the connections, helping propel the business to success. Learn more about the Savannah Economic Development Authority and what they do in the Savannah community by visiting CETA.org. Now, back to the interview with Megan Lowe. So, you kind of, you hear your your calling in college, you get out of school, you finish up. What What is the next step for you? How did you, how did you connect from this is what I want to do to this is what I'm doing? I took a part-time job at the Catholic Diocese of Savannah, and that helped me in that I also received my master's degree online when I was working there and received my master's degree in nonprofit management. A lot of it was about development and fundraising and tax law and what a 501c3 organization is. And that led me to take a position at the National Museum of the Mighty Eighth Air Force. And the CEO took a very big chance on me. And I was young and had some development experience, but he really uh, put his faith in me as my first director of development position and worked there for five years 
and then transferred over to Historic Savannah Foundation in the same position. And after Historic Savannah Foundation, Make-A-Wish Georgia really just fell into my lap. I was not looking, but the opportunity arose and I obviously jumped at it. Yeah, I was going to say it probably was like that light came on. That was probably something you saw right. in the tunnel was uh, there's there's these handful of organizations I want to be a part of and boom, here's one of them right in front of me. Exactly. There was a short list of organizations that I would have left HSF for and Make-A-Wish Georgia was obviously one of them. Before we go too deep into Make-A-Wish Georgia, can you kind of walk us through what a development director does? How do you go about fundraising? I know it's a lot of building networks. It's a lot of uh, customer service with donors that maybe are existing or that donors or, or that you kind of identify people that, that maybe relate to your cause and, and have the, the means to give to them. How do you, how do you go about building portfolio of your finances? Sure. I, I think the first step is to love the mission of the organization that you work for, you know, that anytime I see you, I'm always telling you about the next thing that we have going on or the last wish we granted. And I, I think the first thing for a development director is to really just love the mission of the organization to the point where people get tired of hearing about it, because that means you really, really love your mission and you can't fake that you, it has to be, it has to be true, and and so that's step no, step number one is love your mission, mm-hmm. and then you look at where where your finances are going to come from. Do you have to do special events at Make a Wish Georgia? We do a fall event and a spring event, and uh, down in Savannah, and then we have other events throughout the state. But so we're going to have some event revenue, corporate donations. Are they going to be event sponsors or are they going to donate? Are they going to help us fundraise? And then obviously you have your individuals who just love your mission and love what you're doing. And it really is just sharing the mission with the community and getting people as excited about the mission as you are and hopefully that will help um, convince, for a lack of a better word, sure. people to give to your cause. And hopefully in the working and sharing the stories and the need, the donations will come in, whether it's corporate, individual, through an event, or a foundation. Mm-hmm. That's interesting because I'm sure there's a mix, right? You have these events and that puts you in front of people and you have a website and social channels that you try to leverage and reach out to people. But I'm guessing that at the end of the day, like anything else, a lot of it is a little bit about who you know and how you can network through the people you know. Is that accurate? Absolutely. When you make a connection, um, how do you, for lack of a better word, how do you you work it? How do you go about uh, making the approach and, and how... Um, is it hard to know when you should push and when you should back off? It's a lot about reading people. And for me, when I, for me, I know everybody knows the Make-A-Wish brand. Every, we have a strong brand and every, everybody knows the Make-A-Wish brand. Everybody probably knows somebody that has received a wish or Mm -hmm. is waiting for a wish to be granted. Um, 
and with that, it's really seeing where do they fit in. For me, if they're a runner, you know I'm going to invite them to run for wishes. If sure. they are a builder, then I am going to ask them if they would be consider if they would consider building a playhouse in kind. So really seeing when you meet somebody and they express a little interest in the mission, where do they fit in with how they can help us? And um, if a builder doesn't want to run a 15K, but he's willing to go build a playhouse, that is just as important as that person who's going to come run a 5K, 10K, 15K. You mentioned the Make-A-Wish brand. The history, most as you said, most people know it. Uh, we've seen the, the spots on television or some of the specials that have gone on. Can you kind of walk us quickly through kind of the Make-A-Wish history and why do you think the brand has become so strong? The Make-A-Wish Foundation started in Phoenix, Arizona, and a little boy wanted to be a police officer. Mm-hmm. And so the Phoenix Police Department gave him an experience and that is actually where it started. And then from there, the different states created their own chapters. So our chapter was started in 1995. And we have four different wish types to have, to be, to go, or to meet. And children from two and a half to 18 fighting a critical illness can be nominated for a wish. And I think that the brand is so strong because, like I said earlier, everyone knows a child who is fighting a critical illness, whether it's a heart condition or cystic fibrosis or our most prevalent wish as kids fighting cancer. Everybody has seen the fight that these kids have to go through every single day and there isn't really a better thing than just putting a smile on their face and creating the hope and joy that wishes create and so it's very engaging and people want to be a part of helping a child in any way they can and that's just the way we help these kids is through wishes. How emotionally touching, and I guess uh, as extensions to that, a little bit emotionally draining is it, or is it just joyful all the time whenever you whenever you help these these young people? It really is just joyful all the time uh, when you see a child scream because he sees his playhouse or runs up to Elsa at Disney World and or meets his hero on the football field. And it really is just all joy. And you just, it it never gets old. I'll tell you, it just never gets old to see the smiles on these kids' faces. I'm interested about the parents. I mean, especially for kids that are critically ill, it's, you know, I've got two kids and I just, I can't imagine. And I, pray to God I'll never have to to think about it but how do these parents um, uh, what's your impression of, of how they 
how they uh, manage through these situations and, and how touching is it to see them and the way they deal with um, seeing their kid, their child's uh, wish granted. They, the parents of these children, they're rocks. They are absolute, they are absolute rocks through the entire from what I see the entire process, you know, our wishes, we see these kids when we meet these kids, it is on great days. They, we get to ask them, what is your most heartfelt wish? And so for us, we get to see these kids smile and, but they're the stories that we hear of the hospital stays and, the amount of surgeries and blood transfusions and spinal taps, it yeah. is, it is just the, the parents, they just have to be rocks and they have to be strong for these kids. And I can't imagine when they do have moments of just fear for their children's well-being and so when we grant a wish we it is the child's wish but i i don't have children but i imagine that seeing the smile and joy on the child's face for after everything they've gone through i imagine it's just as good for the parents yes yeah certainly very very moving for sure Again, you are listening to a conversation with Make-A-Wish George's Megan Lowe on the Difference Makers podcast. While Megan is catching her breath for a moment, I have a call to action for you. Subscribe to the SavannahNow.com. Earlier this month, we launched our new website and mobile app. And if you value local news, you'll be pleased with the results. We deliver the news stories, sports scores, entertainment reviews, and opinion content you need to stay on top of what's happening in Savannah. And I'm not asking for a handout here. We deliver a great product right to your computer, tablet, or smartphone. Go to savannahnow.com or download our app and see for yourself. Then hit the subscribe button to get full access for just a pittance. Now, back to the Difference Makers interview. I imagine you mentioned Disney World, and I'm sure there's some wishes that are that are very familiar. You probably get them over and over again, but... What are some of the unique ones that, that, that you've seen and, and how, well, when you see a unique one, does, does it give you, what's it make you think about? It, it, one of the most unique wishes that our chapter has facilitated is a little boy and he was from Augusta and he actually wanted to go to Saturn and uh, so (laughs) right you can imagine when it comes across uh, um the the paperwork says that the wish child wants to go to saturn and it was actually a virtual reality wish so we partnered with a virtual reality company and they designed what the little boy thought Saturn looked like. And, and so we granted his wish to go to Saturn. And when you see wishes like that, it really, you just think of the imagination of a child can go anywhere, be anything, 
have anything or meet anyone. And these unique wishes definitely, it just sparks a child's imagination on what is their most heartfelt wish. And so we do see those once in a while. We obviously do see Disney World and playhouses and those just, they never get old either because each child's story is unique and each child needs this wish just as much as the next one. So no matter what the wish is, it, for us, it's every child is unique and special and every child deserves whatever their most heartfelt wish is. Right. You've mentioned the Playhouse a couple of times. I know that's one of your more recent wishes, uh, one of your more recent wishes that you've granted. Can you tell us a little bit about this Playhouse? Sure. It it was for a little boy named Jonathan who had cancer. He is in remission, and he is eight years old, and he wished for a Pokemon-themed playhouse. And so I went to one of our mutual friends at J.W. Buckley & Associates, and mentioned to him that we have this very unique playhouse. It's not a playhouse that you can just go buy a kit for and then build. And so I reached out to him as an architect and asked him if he would design it. And he actually got a team together with a group of architecture firms. And I'm going to list them just so I don't forget anybody. But they, they represented... Architecture 101, SCAD, Pond and Company, Pantheon ADC, R.W. Allen, Gunmeyer Hoff and Shea, and then J.W. Buckley and Associates. And this group of architects volunteered their time and talent to design this little boy's playhouse. And for me, it was just a beautiful thing to see these competing firms joined together for a project and this little boy's playhouse was so cool and he ran out of his house and screamed and was playing on the tire swing and going over the rope bridge and again the screaming of excitement it just never gets old and so it was just another example of Savannah continuing to show up for wishes in a way and that um, usually these firms are competing for the next bid. And on this one, there was no competition. It was all in for Jonathan. That's good. Cause I know you get a bunch of architects together. You're usually not going to get anything built. You're going to have a lot of design <laughs> argument, but it sounds like they all right. were able to turn the, right. turn the wrenches as well. Exactly. As I mentioned at the top, we are in the holiday season and I know that uh, Make-A-Wish does a special a special thing during the holidays, and it's uh, Letters to Santa. Can you kind of walk us through this program and let people know how they can get involved with that between now and, and when Santa gets on the sleigh here in a couple of weeks? Sure. We have a wonderful partnership with Macy's, and the whole campaign is called Believe. And for every letter written to Santa, Macy's will donate a dollar to Make-A-Wish Georgia. And you can write as many letters as you want for as many toys or anything else you want. Anyone can write a letter. Uh, the website to write letters is Georgia 
www.wish.org slash Macy's. And I tell people if they think they're on the naughty list, the more letters you write, you'll get back on the nice list. So please, if your audience could just go write your letter to Santa or two or three, um, we would really appreciate it. Sounds like my hand's going to get really tired typing in for to try to get off that naughty list. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's great. That's, that's really good. Um, do you uh, do you have any access to see what these letters say down the road, or or is it all going to Macy's and uh, and you guys don't see what's in those letters? Adam, it actually goes to the North Pole, so Santa oh. and his elves. <laughs> Maybe it gets CC. Maybe it gets CC to Megan. Come on. No, we do not see the letters. Um, They do go directly to Macy's and the North Pole. So Macy's or Santa and his elves can create the toys and anything else that's going to get under the tree. Okay. Well, if I don't get what I want, I'm blaming you, just so you know. (laughs) Let's let's finish up kind of the, the balance of our time here, talking a little bit about what has been a very unusual year for all of us. And uh, I know that COVID's impacted everybody, uh, whether it's uh, what it's done to the to small businesses and, and restaurants, to keeping a lot of us uh, working home, working remotely. I'm sitting here actually in my son's room under his loft bed talking to you through the computer rather than being in a, in a studio across from each other. But this, it's been a really weird year, and I know that the, the impact has, has stretched to nonprofits and whether it's a museum that maybe wasn't open for a long time or whether it's a, a nonprofit like, like make a wish that, that really, if, if there's not money coming in there, then there's limits to what you can do. How has this year impacted what you all do and how have you evolved to try to, to try to make the best of it? It has been a odd year for everyone and our business was affected just like everybody else's, we, for us, our wishes had to start looking different and we had to put all our travel wishes on hold and they are still on hold. But for us, our kids were fighting critical illnesses before COVID began and they are still fighting critical illnesses this entire time. And so we have granted the wishes we can, whether it's playhouses or puppies or shopping sprees. But for some wishes that can't wait, we've tried to really be innovative on how we can grant a wish without traveling. How can we send a dis how can we send a child to Disney World when we can't send a child to Disney World? And for those wishes, they may look different, but we're still giving them a Disney experience in their home with a Disney princess costume and a virtual meet and greet with the Disney princess. And so we really have tried to be innovative and continuing to grant wishes in a time when we can't grant every wish because of the type of wish. And so for us, uh, we we have still been working, we have still been granting wishes, and we just hope that when people are ready and can, they do choose to donate to Make-A-Wish Georgia and to these kids who just need these wishes so much. And just like everybody else in Savannah, the corporations 
and small businesses, it's different for everybody. So for us, the donations have been affected, but hopefully we can turn the corner soon and get uh, the vaccine and kind of get past COVID and go back into our normal, what, whatever the new normal is. <laughs> right, right. Before, I, uh, before we wrap up here, um, tell people where they can find you. Tell people, obviously, we, we mentioned the letters to Santa. Uh, tell us where, they, where we can find you and what we need to look forward to in the, in the spring. I know that with COVID, Lord knows when we're going to be able to get back to doing some events, but I have a feeling you probably at least have, have the plans in place and maybe some contingencies just in case. Sure. Um, our website outside of the Macy's website is georgia.wish.org and they have we have wish stories and all the information you need about Make-A-Wish Georgia on there. Um, my information is on that website if anybody would like to get in contact with me. And then also we, we usually do have our run for wishes in the spring whether it is going to be in person or virtual is yet to be seen, but it is scheduled for March 20th at Skidaway Island State Park. So more info to come on, like I said, whether it's going to be in person or virtual or maybe a combination of both, but it is a 5K, 10K, 15K. So if you and your daughter, who I know runs cross country, would like to join us, that would yeah, be fantastic. 5K for me. <laughs> but Megan, it's always it's always good to talk to you, and thank you for for everything you do and for everything that Make a Wish Georgia does. And um, Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. Merry Christmas, Adam. Thank you so much. That's all for this episode of Difference Makers. Thanks to Make a Wish Georgia's Megan Lowe and to our presenting sponsor, the Savannah Economic Development Authority. Tap into the Difference Makers archives anytime on your favorite podcast app to hear interviews with more of Savannah's community leaders, such as Feed the Hungry's Carl Gilliard, the Creative Coast Jen Bonet, and Plant Riverside District Developer Richard Kessler. Difference Makers is a production of the Savannah Morning News and SavannahNow.com. On behalf of myself and producers Asha Gilbert and Zach Dennis, thank you for listening. <laughs>